This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got you. Love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 111. That seems so cool to say that we're in the hundreds. Anyway, this show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. We're also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So between the BatmanUniverse.net and BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, you can get a hold of us and many other shows. Speaking of getting a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We are on Instagram, and you can email into the show at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Like I said, I'm Rob, and I feel spoiled. I have both Terrence and Ryan on this show again, so I don't want to say we're setting a precedent, but it's kind of cool to have you guys back again, both for this show and we're wrapping up Contagion. I found a way to only do this in three episodes instead of 93 episodes. So Terrence, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing good, and don't forget to tell the good people they can also buy t-shirts from us, too. And uh, where, where is that? T-pu- what, which t-shirt is over on? I should know that. We've sold, like, two of them to Rob already, but is that's right. T-Public? <laughs> T-Public, yeah. T-Public, yeah, I got it right. Woohoo! So yeah. it... T public's really weird. Like you can type in Robin, everyone loves a Drake, and I was kind of doing that on my own. And it takes a while to search. The easiest way, and I have another design that I'm going to try and upload. I didn't like it the first time, so I'm gonna try again. So hopefully there'll be two now. But the easiest way is to go to our Twitter page and it's the pinned post up there. You can navigate through TeePublic by searching Robin Everyone Loves the Drake and you can find our store. But the link is on Twitter if you want to check there. And speaking of Twitter, the uh, Twitter master himself, Ryan Haas, is here. How are you doing, oh, sir? I'm good. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
with, with everything going on, we'll just take good. Some some days, good yeah. is all is all anybody. Yeah, here's my is like, required. You know, you know how you got both of us on, a, on another episode is because we're we're still in a pandemic. So. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's right. That's the only reason, Rob. Don't don't get used to it. Don't get. We're able to do, do contagion in three episodes, but the, the real life pandemic is going to take a lot longer than that to get rid of. Oh my gosh! And that's before before we get into our final coverage uh, today. Have you guys had this like surreal's the wrong word? Like reading reading these books now just by total fluke of you know the different side shows that we've done and you know it's, it's taken so long to get you know to do these other things that we happen to be covering this book right now as you know a real life pandemic is and kind of reading through some stuff over the last couple days uh, getting ready for the show i'm just looking at my wife going it's just really weird to be reading this stuff and Hearing characters say things like, oh, I heard the governor of Ohio say something very similar to this. You know, they're not talking about social distancing, but just how a virus can spread and things like that. So did you guys have any just, I guess heebie-jeebies is the only word I could describe it to go like in 96 when this came out, I didn't think much of it. But now going, wow, this is (laughs) Dixon may have been poo-pooing it, but. I think they were kind of ahead of their times. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where you read it back in the day, and and it's like, well, how how could Batman ever fight a virus? This is kind of a weird story, but but now, like the time we're living in, it's really kind of a um, art imitating life kind of thing before it even you know was relevant to us and our lives the way that we're experiencing it right now. And you know, other stories like that and Dark Knight Rises too, like mm-hmm. some of the things in that movie. I think are applicable to what's going on right now too. And it's, it is really weird to be like, well, those things came out a while ago and now they seem like, you know, back when those things came out, it's like, Oh, it's just a story. And but now it's kind of some real life parallels going on and it is really weird, but that's kind of what stories do for us is give us a window to kind of work it out, you know, in a different format. Yeah. I was thinking today too, like it's such a coincidence that we're, doing contagion at this time and i'm like when we get to cataclysm i'm not traveling to california like (laughs) evacuate california when our podcast hits that it's just too much too much of a coincidence and it was weird because i was listening to the podcast today i was listening to you guys i forget which episode insert the episode here rob uh, for (laughs) contagion part one and I was driving to go to the store, and then I get to the store, and there's all these people in masks and wearing gloves, and they only let so many in, and they're doing all these social distancing, mm-hmm. and they got plexiglass around their thing, and I'm like, and then I get back in the car and listening to Batman fighting the virus. But I, I, I learned something new. I, I, all right. So first of all, Rob, congratulations on the intro. I love the intro. It sounds great now. You, Rob does all the editing and everything. Rob does all the heavy lifting on this podcast. He does all the work. <laughs> And the, the intro sounds great, and we've got like some creators. It sounds kind of official and stuff. But George Perez, right? Yeah. He always says, "Everybody, does he say like everybody likes, especially the cakes?" That's yes. it. Okay, so for years, uh, uh, forever. How, where did you get? First of all, let me ask this: Where did you get that soundbite, and when did you start using it? Because I want to get how long I've been listening to that. <laughs> Cincinnati Comic Expo. Jeez. So we've done this show five years. I've probably had that soundbite for. Five four years, but it hasn't been in an intro. Like every now and then I would just set it in. Cause I got, he and Marv Wolfman both at the same time, they were sharing desks 
and they, they both had set it for oh, me. They so both I just was, got it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I was <laughs> just using them both as just like maybe as quote unquote coming back from a promo or a synopsis. I would just throw it in there. So for the hundredth, I thought I had to just add that in. Anytime we get somebody, get them to record a little blurb did for you, us. And did I'll, you get to tell Marv Wolfman that? Um, a lonely place of of dying is like your favorite story. I did. I well, I I'll get to Terrence in just a sec. I told Marv Wolfman, I'm like, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but I said, lonely place of living for me is my dark night returns for yeah. Robin. And he just looked at me, and said, I have never heard that before, but that's exactly what I was thinking as I was writing it. And I was like, wow. Are you kidding me? He was like. He's like, everybody has the Dark Knight Returns as their Bible for Batman. This is why I love Batman. This is why Batman's important. He was like, that was on my mind of like, I want to be able to give something to Robin fans out there that states, this is why Robin's important. So that just kind of validated everything. So that's why I'm actually stealing that from him. Like, that's why I feel that way. (laughs) But yeah, so I've had that soundbite for, what, four, four and a half, almost five years now. And have been using the soundbite almost for a year in the intro. So there you go, Terrence. All right. So for about a year, I've been hearing that. And I thought he said, everybody loves the Drake, especially the Kinks. You know, the band from the 60s, the Kinks. (laughs) And every time I hear it, I'm like, what is he talking? And I'm like, do the Kinks have a song about Drake or Drakes or something? And then I always think, I got to look that up. And then, of course, I completely forget until the next time the podcast comes on. And I hear, everybody loves the Drake, especially the Kinks. And I'm like, the Kinks? What is that? I got to look that. And And then today, I guess because it was in my car or something, I heard him say, and then I heard it that it was the cakes and i'm like oh the cakes okay so for i i don't know i'm i've got problems but we've talked about drake cakes on the show before too i think yeah Yeah. and and i didn't think the drake cakes were a real thing i thought oh like you'll (laughs) see stuff on though it's regional yeah yeah well we just started getting them in ohio It's, it's probably been a couple years now and i think i even tweeted drake's cakes and about being a sponsor and i hadn't heard anything back i got all excited for like a couple months and my wife's like let it go rob seriously (laughs) but uh i thought that was just a made-up you know fictitious like if you watch like the cosby show they're holding a coke can it just says cola like you can clearly tell it's a coke (sighs) can but they don't have sponsorship to have coke or whatever show you're watching so seeing that on seinfeld i thought oh drake's cakes aren't a real thing because I don't see them in any stores around here. So it wasn't until a few years later that I realized, oh, it's it's a real, actual thing. So um, I knew it at the time that he said it, that it was real. And I was like, yeah, especially the Drake's or especially the cakes. I'm like, yeah, for you, George, you probably live in a place where you get those things. So it wasn't until like two years ago that I had an actual real Drake's cake. And I'm like, these are amazing. Yeah, it's so weird. Seinfeld was that first show that actually used real products because mm-hmm. before that it was all fake stuff and then after Seinfeld the networks cracked down on that and they said well we're not giving out free advertising anymore you're not allowed to do that so it's just this like sweet spot of the 90s where you could actually hear real things like Ovaltine and Drake's Cakes and, mm-hmm. and stuff yeah and like Jerry was constantly having different cereal boxes every time you see Captain Crunch well, they have like whole you know like they have episodes based around like Junior Mints and yeah, and yeah. And Bosco. yeah, yeah. yeah. Bosco <laughs> we can reminisce about Kenny George Rogers per- roasters. <laughs> Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Oh, that is. I love that episode. I'm, I'm, the I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah. 
we can pontificate all night long about all. I'm going to get hungry if we just keep talking about food and things like that, about the sponsors that we don't have on the show, but that's all right. I don't have to pay for it. But we're going to be talking about the final few books for Contagion, and that is Batman Chronicles number four. And we're going to skip Catwoman, but the synopsis will appear in the episode. But Asriel 16 and then Robin 28. So what we're going to do really quick is we'll take a promo break on the other side for our final part of Contagion. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Go get yourself a Drake's Cake and we'll be right back. I hope he's home. Why does it sound like I'm using a phone in the UK? I told you never to call me again. Yeah, I know. And modern science has yet to create a device to measure how much I don't care. Look, I'm getting the trailer for this year's JL May together, and I assumed I had to make you a part of it since you're always in everybody's trailer or something. <laughs> well, look at you leading this year's JL May. Somebody's wearing his big boy pants. So what's the theme? I sent you an email like a month ago. Like I even pay attention to anything you send me. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis? No, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not following. Shocking. The theme this year, I'm, I'm going to, like I'm talking to a child. The theme this year is Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I thought it was a fascinating time period in DC's history. So a bunch of us are getting together to talk about the various specials and miniseries and crossovers that led up to Infinite Crisis. It's the event before the event. The whole thing is going to kick off on April 30th, 2020, with a special episode of Views from the Long Box covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis 80-page giant. And from there, a whole bunch of shows that I will be adding in post-production will discuss these previously mentioned miniseries and crossover issues. And people actually agreed to this? Shockingly, yes. Well, it's probably a good thing that you're going to cover Countdown to Infinite Crisis instead of the Countdown series, because that was a train wreck. Yeah, you know, actually, that was my thinking, too. Now, are you going to help me with this trailer or not? Fine. I will help you with your little trailer. Good. Uh, don't worry, by the way. There won't be any dates for you to get wrong. I hate you so much. JL May 2020. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. The event before the event. This crossover kicks off on April 30th, 2020. On Views from the Long Box. And continues into Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Pop Culture Affidavit, It All Comes Back to Superman, The Fan Holes Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Married with Comics, The Coffee and Comics Podcast, The Longbox Crusade, Task Force X, Relatively Geeky Presents, Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, and the Dr. DC Podcast.
All right. That's really weird because every time we come back from a promo break, there is no promo. Add it later. And then I count really awkwardly to Terrence and Ryan to let them know, hey, we're going to start again. So maybe I'll just leave it in one of these times. So Batman Chronicles number four. This was one of the few books that I had bought off of the stand because Batman was holding Tim Drake on the front cover here. I thought, oh, wow, what's going to happen? Is this the issue where Robin dies? But I was missing a few issues here and there and had had it day that I bought it. I think I flipped through it and maybe I read it, but boning up for this show, nothing, nothing was clicking. Like I was reading it for the very first time. So I'm going to turn the uh, microphone over to Terrence and he's going to take us through Batman Chronicles. But I just wanted to ask, I probably know Ryan's answer, but uh, Terrence, did you read this when it had come out? And like me, you just checked it off into Never Never Land. Yeah, so I bought all the Contagions when it came out. I was I was collecting everything at that point, and um, so I, I had to pull out all the floppies. And again, like you guys said on the the first part one, if you ask me what happened in Contagion, I probably couldn't tell you. And as I, I reread it, I was kind of like, I don't really remember this. But as I read it, I could also see it doesn't have a lot of. Um, I don't even know what the word is. Repeat reading, I guess. I was going to say re-re-reading. I don't think <laughs> too many re's. Because like the Catwoman issue that we're skipping is just completely nothing. Like it's just a dead end trail. So it's it's hard to like read something again where you know like, oh yeah, here's three issues that lead to absolutely nothing. Because <laughs> it turns out you can't cure the the virus from the blood of a survivor. So all those issues where they were searching for the survivors really amounts to kind of nothing in the story. This cover is interesting because in the floppies, in the little triangle in the top uh, right corner, on this it's just blank. And you guys are reading... It's like in Nightfall when like they had the Shadow of the Bat Scarecrow issues Mm -hmm. where they're just like, hey, these are like part of Nightfall but not necessary so they didn't put a number on it. And so showcase. It's kind of like the same a, thing. Yeah. Showcase. Actually, too, I think right? didn't the yeah. showcase ones have numbers. Oh, do they yeah, have they, numbers? Okay. Yeah, I think the, the two face ones don't yeah. quote me on it. I'm going to stab in the dark. I think they're either 11 and 12 or they're 12 and 13. It's something like that. Well, I wanted to ask you guys, where in the where does this fall in the trade paperback? I think they left it out of one edition, and then, then did they number it in the other editions? or the The newest one that I have that I've been reading this out of, this takes place right after this as detective comics i'm flipping hurriedly 696 uh, 696 yeah so the last one i think you and i did terrence this takes place right after that where tim is in his bed and it says to be continued then batman chronicle starts and it's just the triangle with the the eye and there's there's nothing in it so um, it's the deathly hallows symbol yes without the the wand <laughs> yeah which actually nice. will turn out to be the virus. That's <laughs> what the virus looks like. Uh, right. Which is kind of weird. We'll get to that later. But the cover, I like this cover. It kind of reminded me of um, Death in the Family, but like the reverse side of it, like the back mm. of Death of the Family. And I didn't see where inside it said who did the cover, but on the art it says Belent and Jones. And mm-hmm. Belent was doing the Catwoman, but it really looks like Jones's art. So I was well, kind of wondering. Isn't like who did Kelly, jo- Kelly Jones did the border of everything? And I think then so. Belent did the main. But if you look at like Robin's hair in this and the cape and everything, that looks very Kelly Jones. So I was maybe Belent was trying to maybe, maybe mimic his style. It. But like yeah. they, they're both of their signatures are on the the cover too. Yeah, right? just because they both have very unique styles. That's why it was kind of. Yeah. 
Interesting. But uh, I guess I'll throw it to you guys here. Ryan, what do you think of the cover? I love the cover. I mean, it definitely... It made me think of the the Robin dies at dawn stuff, but like you oh, said, yeah. from from the opposite side, I think it's definitely trying to evoke that, trying to get you to be like, oh no, is he is he going to like Rob said, like is he going to die this issue? And um, I did not read this issue when it came out, but um, but as a kid, I really thought the Batman Chronicles was a cool uh, title, just because it only came out like four times a year or something. Mm-hmm. So whenever I would see it, I'll be like, Oh, this, this must be important, you know, cause it, <laughs> yeah. you don't see it that often. Cause I, the one I remember the most, I think I have the first issue it sticks out to me and the, I don't remember which number it is, but there was one of these that came out right around Batman and Robin and the cover art had like a really cool, like realistic, you know, Batman, Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy kind of cover, and I, and it came out right around the same time the movie did, so I remember getting that issue also. Yeah, the issue right before this, Batman Chronicles number three, has a really cool uh, Mr. Zaz origin story, which I don't know if they've Ooh. retconned since New 52 or um, Rebirth or anything like that, but it's told by Alan Grant, who created them, and it's got... I think it's a Brian Bolin cover, or if not, it's... Yeah, it is Brian Bolin. I see it right here. When I pulled out four, I was like, ooh, look at three. This is kind of cool. It's it's got a cool Chuck Dixon uh, Killer Croc story. But Rob, what'd you think of the cover? I like it. And I was looking, I was trying to find it on Mike's Amazing World, and it's kind of hard to sift through that. But uh, for DC Fandom, it does list Jim Ballant, Kelly Jones as the cover artist on there. So I kind of like leaning towards what Ryan said. I think the borders are probably Kelly Jones and then the interior, the middle of the cover is probably uh balance work. This was just a, a striking cover in and of itself. And I believe this is the Babylon Towers that's probably collapsed and dilapidated but just seeing all the the smoke and the red moon or the maybe some probably the moon rather than the sunrise uh, there's just a really like ominous cover like this is where insert kevin hart sound where he would say it's about to go down you know or something like <laughs> that yeah i i dig this cover and it was one that instantly caught my eye where i thought oh i gotta i gotta pick this up and then apparently quickly forget it after i read it i, I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah, now the issue has got three stories in it, and the first story is called Hitman, which is written by Garth Ennis and John McCrea, who I believe were the writer and artists of that series that was going on, which I think was somewhat popular, although I never read it. And um, it's a 19-page story, not including the... Um, Oh, sorry, 18-page story, not including ads. So 18 pages of material, that's almost a full full issue but when i picked it up today to reread it i was like i hope this isn't just like 18 pages of a commercial of let's make hitman look cool so this way you'll want to read the hitman book and kind of he's kind of cool at sort of batman's expense a little bit so look how cool he is he got the best of batman and that's exactly what it turned out to be (laughs) it was not much of anything so did either of you guys read the hitman story or did you want to just move on to the next one (laughs) I I took a glancing pass at it and it's it's everything that you said it was like it's stories like this that I go with it being a Batman book and a primarily Batman focused book that you are making the lead character take the back seat to another character so you can go ha I got the one one hand up on you type thing so I feel this is completely unnecessary this is 
Like we have all this other stuff going on, but what's over here? Maybe we'll just put Batman over and this side. It really has nothing to do with anything. This is an addendum to the story. So it's easily forgettable, not necessarily necessary. So I think that's about all I have for it. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? I just read the Robin story. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a smart move, yeah. I just I just looked through it and I saw Batman has a gun in his mouth and I was like, well, yeah. Okay, skip it. yeah, it's really dumb too. Like he ends up like biting the gun and pulling it out of the guy's hand with his mouth and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's not real and it's make believe, but come on, you'd get your face shot off here. So come on. The second story, I was going to skip that cuz it was the Huntress story, but I saw it was written by Christopher Priest. And I really like his writing. I, I loved his uh, Deathstroke uh, run on Re- Rebirth, which came to an end with issue 50. So so I, I read it today, and it's not that bad. It's it's okay. It's not the greatest. But what I liked is it, it tied it into some previous Batman stories. So if you remember in the first part of Contagion, the virus got to Gotham City because some guy was flying in a private plane from uh, Africa and then you saw the pilot come home and he's talking to his kids about oh I flew some guy into Babylon Towers and then the pilot starts coughing blood and they're dead well it turns out that the kid of the pilot the the son of the pilot was a uh, student in Helena Bertinelli's class because at this Mm -hmm. point she's um, a teacher by day and huntress by night so she's out basically going through Gotham looking for the kid because both parents are dead, he's missing. There's some some weird clunky stuff. Like in the beginning, Batman tells her like, don't do this. We've got bigger things to worry about. And she's like, "Ah, forget you, Batman. So she breaks into her own school, into her own classroom and then, like, gets, like, a Rolodex and just starts, like, calling all the parents. Hey, have you seen little Bobby anywhere? <laughs> or Eric, his name is. It's, like, it's kind of weird. Then she ends up, spoilers, finding the kid. And he's hiding in an, a helicopter because she knew his dad loved to fly. But he's um, infected with the virus and looks like he's going to die. And then Batman shows up right at the end and be like, see, I told you so. <laughs> you know, we, we got more important things. So it wasn't that bad. I kind of liked how they tied it in with the pilot and everything and it wasn't just some random story how about you rob did you read this one yeah i did read this one because i this is one i kind of remembered going i think this does fit better narratively and you're right with with it being a pilot and everything and i think what i can't remember which episode it was i said that i feel like constantly we have to be reminded huh remember Batman doesn't like the Huntress, and you are kind of reminded that, especially at, at the end of the story, you know, and she even, Batman says at one point, like, I'm sorry, but she has the little thought balloon, and she says, like, I should have expected this, should have expected, you know, this would be Batman's, you know, reaction to everything. So, again, didn't win any awards for me, but it, I do like Priest as well, so I thought it was, this fit a lot better than maybe some of the other, you know, stories might have in the book ryan i just read the robin story (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so let's get to that which i kind of feel like if you looked up the word filler in the dictionary you might find this story Mm -hmm. um i was kind of wondering about it so spoilers here for the whole thing it basically it's about 10 pages written by chuck dixon and it's basically tim's in the bat cave in really really bad shape from the clench from uh Ebola, Golfa, A virus, <laughs> and uh, he he kind of wakes up and his dad's there and Tim's all better and everything's okay and his dad's like, hey, I knew you were uh, 
I knew you were Robin. Everything's cool, though. I, I know all about it. We're all great. Come on upstairs. And they see Bruce, and Bruce is having some coffee, just lounging in the kitchen, like, hey, so great, you're you're back. And then he sees Ari and Ariana, and they she's knows he's Robin, but she's cool with it, and everybody's all happy. And then they go to his house and find his mom is still alive, and she's been cooking, and he's so happy, and he gives his parents a hug. And then the last page, you see it's just all like a fever dream from the... Uh, virus and i was wondering because in the the soundbite you played rob um uh, for the first episode which you never said in the episode that that was chuck dixon's voice so i wonder if anyone was like Who's yeah that I guy <laughs> yeah i probably should have and i yeah. snuck in justin kowalski in there since he's the one that actually asked the question but anyway yeah yeah because and then you, uh i think in the episode you're like yeah one of the writers said it like rob's being real coy with this here <laughs> but uh i he says chuck dixon says that uh he was writing three books i i at a time and that he had to get done so the other writers could do their scripts and that he checked himself into a hotel for three days and just spent a day. So I wondered like one, where did you have time to write another 10 page story? But I also wondered if this was maybe an idea or something he was thinking of doing in the Robin book or in one of the books and then just couldn't quite fit it in, but then use the Chronicles to like kind of maybe flush it out and expand it a little bit. Or if um, this was just like, oh, I got to fill ten pages. What could I do? Aha, dreams. That that that's like, <laughs> oh, that just is always like my least favorite thing in comics. Um, so I was wondering about that. But uh, Ryan, since we know you love the other two stories so much, what'd you think of the third story? Yeah, I thought um, when I read this, I'm like, I was like, you know what? This is the kind of story that they totally could have put in the Robin 80th. Uh, you know, anniversary issue, yeah. Because it's like it's this, it's this thing that expa- expands an existing story that isn't necessary. It's short, and it could be like, hey, this this could have happened. Like this is an extra thing that you didn't know about that could have happened. So like it's it's one of those things where you can take this out of contagion completely, and you wouldn't know or notice. But uh, but just the fact that it gets added in there, it's like, okay, well, it just kind of adds a little bit of extra texture to it, um, as unnecessary as it is. I mean, but it is kind of, to me, it's kind of a cool thing to see some of the what-if stuff get addressed um, early, to see, like, what Tim's reaction would be, knowing full well that it's not, um, <laughs> you know gonna happen or it's not ha- gonna happen the way that it happens in this yeah and i i kind of wonder too if maybe they put this in to bridge the gap for robin readers because robin uh 28 opens up with this sort of cliffhanger with the the hospital bed and everything so maybe if they thought people didn't read asriel but read robin it would kind of remind people of tim's state looking at the sales charts asriel was actually outselling the Batman Chronicles, and and they were pretty close. So I'm assuming a lot of people would just buy everything back then. Rob, what did you think of this? Beggar, it's called Beggar's Banquet. I did like this one, just like more of repeating what Ryan just said, but also one of those like you you've heard stories of people being really sick, or you know they're they're having they're having dreams, or they're having like false. False reality is the wrong thing. They just have the, these very lucid dreams of, of of things going on, and I think Chuck really captures that essence of 
at Tim at probably at his worst and thinking of his family and friends and if he's going to go out and because he says to Alfred later, I think it's in Azrael, you know, if I don't make it through this and if if my dad makes it through, tell him that, you know, uh, I love him, this, that or the other. So this is one of those things I think that Chuck plays on really well, that these are the thoughts that Tim is having. Like, I I would hope that my dad understands that I'm Robin. I would hope that Ari would approve of me and it'd be great to see my mother one last time. So I liked that. And I liked seeing Tim hold on to both of his parents saying, I love you. I love you. And seeing the, the fade and the deet, deet, deet sound, uh, if you will, and realizing that he's, he's back in the cave and this is, you know, pulling that Dallas moment of like, ah, it was all the dream. This whole entire season was so, yeah, I, I liked it for what it is. And like Ryan said, completely unnecessary. It does not change the story. Like all three of these books. I mean, I can understand in other trades why they left them out. Some editor was like, this does nothing. <laughs> you know, it's going to cost us X number of dollars to print, you know, 27 more pages that we really don't need. But for the completest people going, ah, oh, there was this Batman Chronicles book that's technically a part of it. So it's cool. This is definitely the best of the three stories that are in here. Even though he was writing three books, this doesn't feel phoned in, but this does feel like Ryan said, hey, here's a little here's a little extra. Yeah, and two things about it for me. One is that it separates or it tells us what separates Tim Drake from Dick Grayson and from Jason Todd at this point, and even Damian Wayne coming in the future, <laughs> even though he wasn't around yet. And that is that Tim has this dynamic that he has a parent still alive, and he has mm-hmm. a father, and he has to he's got a father who's who's not a jerk and not a horrible person and you know cares about him so he's got to kind of do the robin thing behind his dad's back and kind of sneak out and make excuses and just flat out lie to his father to do the robin thing and that's got to like you know torment him the the other thing too is that tim also has a girlfriend or on again off again girlfriend in ariana which i don't ever remember like Dick Grayson or Jason Todd, even though I didn't read a lot of that Robin stuff, but that wasn't a dynamic that they had where they had a, um, you know, girlfriend that didn't know about their secret identity that they had to kind of hide and make excuses for and explain bruises. I think Dick had lots of girlfriends, but they were always like super powered. Mm. Like it was, you know, <laughs> Starfire or something, you know, like, so it wasn't, wasn't an issue. So I think the dream sequence does, does a great job of sort of highlighting that and um also this is where i get angry people at dc are a bunch of jerks why did you kill alfred the whole reason the story works (laughs) and has emotional weight to it is alfred's reaction to tim's distress you know alfred sitting there with his head down alfred with tears in his eyes alfred vowing that he'll he'll tell his father you know and that's what gives this the story such weight and man i'm Ah, okay. So anyway, (laughs) that was the bad move, DC. All right. So before we uh, close the pages on the Batman Chronicles, Ryan or Rob, did you have anything you wanted to add? Again, like, well, Ryan must keep stealing Ryan's answers because they're always better than mine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This was one of those cool books that came out every now and then that uh, was like four, four times a a year that it was like quarterly. Yeah, that it was this was cool. It was going to be its own thing. Maybe it would be tied into something else. So I really didn't miss a Chronicles issue, maybe one, I think, and in my whole collection. I always dug it for what it was. It could be its own thing, or it can be part of 
of something bigger. So I always dug the Chronicles book just for this. This might not have been its best offering. I think I prefer the Chronicles book when it's just doing its its own thing, whether they're three independent stories of one another. But for for the contagion as a whole to be part of it just it flushes out the story. If you want to spend a little more time in this world, it's it does it. It doesn't it doesn't bring the book up up any. I don't think it brings it down. It just may maybe makes you flip a couple extra more pages. All right, even though we're not going to cover Catwoman on the show, I at least think narratively it's nice to at least give you the synopsis for the books, just in case there's somebody that's not reading the books along with this and you're just listening to the podcast, at least you can hear all of the beats for it and uh, you can get the information that way. Speaking of the information, we're going to go to mikesamazingworld.com to get you the cover credits and the interior credits for this book. Catwoman 32 has a cover date of April 1996 with an on sale date of February 13th, 1996. And the cover price is $1.95. And the editor is Denny O'Neill. The title is Fever Pitch. The writer is Chuck Dixon. The penciler is Dick Giornano. The inker is Robert Allen Smith. The letter is Albert Tobias D. Goonsman. And the colorist is Buzz Stelzer. This has been reprinted in Batman Contagion trade paperback from 1996. And if my memory serves me correct, I don't have it in front of me. The Contagion trade paperback that I currently have, the newest version, I believe, is 2012-2013. The cover credits uh, for this goes to Jim Ballant. And now the synopsis for Catwoman 32 reads as follow. Fever Pitch. Catwoman is leaving San Francisco to find the last survivor, Lenore Wee, in Miami, Florida. She leaves Tracker tied up in a car's trunk once in Miami. Catwoman goes to the place where Oracle told her the last survivor was. When she arrived at the place to find out what seems like an old drug den, the drug lords killed a man because he wouldn't pay them for the drugs and took the woman to an unknown place. Catwoman was outnumbered and decided to let them go and to follow them. The thugs take Lenore Wee to their boss. The crime lord tells Wee that because her boyfriend refused to pay for the drugs, she was going to have to work the payment off. Before he could say anything else, Catwoman arrives and takes down the three men, leaving only the boss. The crime boss takes Wee as a hostage, and Catwoman tries to talk to the man about the prize money over Wee's blood. He wouldn't listen, and Catwoman is forced to take him down as well. Catwoman and Wee travel back to Gotham City in one of the drug lord's planes. When they arrive in Gotham, Catwoman is disappointed to see Babylon Towers and ruins, and everyone is dead that was inside of it. In that moment, Tracker arrives and was planning to take Wee to the Penguin to claim the reward, but he is once again tricked by Catwoman and knocked out. Catwoman goes to the Iceberg Lounge to claim the reward for herself, but when she arrives, she finds the place empty, except for Nightwing and Batman, who tells her that the survivor's blood was useless to create any type of cure, and there's little hope for what is left of Gotham City and its people. All right, so we're moving over. We're going to switch gears to the Asriel podcast. Since since we hmm. can't hear the Asriel podcast, I'm just going uh-huh. to force the Asriel podcast to happen right now. <laughs> Here we go. So, so we're going to kick uh, Ryan. It, it only makes sense if we're going to cover the Asriel book for Ryan to be here to take us through this one. So Asriel 10, the mic is all yours, sir. Go. So this is this is part 10 of Contagion, but it's Azrael 16. This one opens, and it says that Catwoman is shocked when Batman tells her that it's impossible to develop a cure from Lenore's blood because she was never infected by the virus, therefore her blood 
didn't have the necessary antibodies to create a cure. She was just naturally immune to it, as well as the other two survivors. Batman, Catwoman, and Nightwing feared that there was no hope left for Gotham City. Meanwhile, Alfred watches as Tim's state worsens. Jean-Paul Valley watched on the news that the shape of the virus has been discovered, and he remembered seeing that shape in one of the laboratories in the Order of St. Dumas in Africa. At that moment, in one of the Order's headquarters, Brother Rollo was inquiring Brother Zhu about the events related to the virus, and he confessed that he had spread the virus in Greenland to test it, and when it proved successful, he infected another Order member, Daniel Morris to take the plague to Gotham City. He also confessed that he was the one who ordered the attack on Kendall Stewart way back at the beginning. Brother Rollo asked him if he took the writings from the African laboratory, but Zoo didn't know anything about that. And when Rollo finished his investigation, he ordered the acolytes to kill Zoo, and they let their hounds have him. With the writings that Azrael takes from Africa, Sister Lily started to translate the text, and then she gives it to Jean-Paul. The translated text was the recipe for the cure to the virus, and Jean-Paul, as Azrael, sets out to deliver the cure to Gotham. When he was near his car, he was attacked by some of the Order of St. Dumas acolytes, and with them was Leha, but he runs away at the sight of Azrael. Azrael takes down the acolytes and races to Gotham. There, he eludes the National Guard to get to the city and deliver the cure to the nearest hospital. And then Nightwing takes the cure's recipe to the Batcave to cure Tim, but when he arrives, Alfred tells him that he's already too late. See, now, Terrence said really nice things about Alfred, and now he pulls a move like that. Alfred's mm-hmm. a jerk. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. In traditional Roman everyone loves the Drake fashion, let's talk about the cover. <laughs> I, I remember seeing this cover um, in my when as I collected um, – this is the first time I've read this issue – um, because I'm trying to go through stuff chronologically, so I've been the Azrael issues I've been reading have been you know the the parts of Contagion. You know, we, the last one was uh, 15. You know, when they mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, when he was with Catwoman and all that nonsense earlier. But yeah, so as I was collecting the issues, I picked this one up. I always thought this one was interesting because I'm like, oh man, Azrael and Robin, what? What's happening? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> it's not one of my favorite covers, but it is like definitely one of those. Um, it's fun when Azrael is part of a crossover like this because it didn't happen that often. And Contagion is pretty unique because Azrael gets two slots in mm-hmm. the, in the crossover. So yeah, I kind of liked this cover. This was another one of those. This was a book that I didn't buy, but I saw so this is the first time i read it for the podcast and seeing the skeleton presumably be tim drake in the tattered robin costume i remember thinking i know i don't normally read asriel but i think i probably flipped through this like what is going on here so again like you said it's not one of those like oh my gosh this is an amazing cover but thematically i th- i think it works for for the story it gets its point and message across like there is a dead robin on the floor and jean paul looks legitimately you know upset by it so if nothing else this was one that if i didn't buy it it made me pull it off the shelf and at least thumb through it actually for this whole series barry kitson's art is amazing i love barry kitson's art and there's there's some stellar stellar work in this issue but i was a little taken aback by this cover when it first came out because not knowing the story and everything, it was a little hard for me to tell from Asriel's posture whether he was like lamenting the death of Robin or if he was like 
lording over him like ah, i just killed robin i vanquished him like i couldn't really tell from the body language which way so there was a little bit when i first got it of like is asriel gonna turn on them or are they you know implying that asriel's gonna turn on them and he killed robin and of course you know what's on the cover isn't always what's in the issue and then after reading it and everything you can kind of see like oh it's you know he's lamenting here but um i was a big fan of the asriel series i don't remember a lot of it but i do think that asriel i think always worked best and i liked him best when he was sort of connected to gotham and Mm -hmm. the batman family in some way, shape, or form, having this cover and the the image of those two, it's pretty awesome. See, I was always kind of on the other side of that. I mean, I liked it when Asriel was off, you know, was with the Bat family, but I think there was always something about Asriel making making a name for himself and not having to rely on the Bat family. Like, this character is big enough that, I mean, we've said before, he also sustained 100 issues and that kind of showed the weight of the character. Like, he was something kind of cool in Nightfall, and we're going to show you why. So I think the few Asriel issues that... I have more Asriel issues in my collection without the Bat Family than with the Bat Family. I think I liked those just a little bit better. I just wanted to kind of see what your guys' highlights of the issue are. I mean, for me, it's actually a lot of the parts that Azrael isn't in because <laughs> I really like seeing um I like seeing Batman interact with Catwoman at the, both at the beginning of the issue and like in the middle when he's um talking with Catwoman about like the state of the virus and how you know she's a criminal or whatever but it pales in comparison to you know what's going on in the world and stuff like that and that's the kind of stuff that makes me th- think of what we're going through right now in the real world. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just fun to read this stuff and, and remember that, oh, this is Denny O'Neill writing it. I, I just think that's kind of a cool thing that you're reading. And it puts, and it makes me think about the current day Batman and Catwoman and how their relationship is different than, than this version of Batman and Catwoman. They're, they're definitely a little bit more apart and just, just getting used to interacting with each other, which, which I think is kind of fun. And I do like Azrael in this issue and it's fun to see him be all gung ho and stuff. And you know, the, like, uh, like Terrence was saying that page towards the end where he's fighting people. And then the page where he's, uh, driving the car while he's like riding on top of the car. I thought that's super <laughs> cool. I mean, it's yeah. really cool images of Azrael, but at the end of the day, it, like, as we'll find out in the next issue, like this whole second half of the, of the story is kind of like, didn't need to happen. Like it's one of those things where it's just like, if there was a novelization of contagion, they would chop out a lot of this because it's just like, as we'll find out later, like they didn't need to do half of the action scenes because it just didn't matter. But, and then, and then the end, the end, the the fake out thing at the end is just, is just pretty ludicrous, but we'll we'll get to that. What, 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 what kind of highlights did you guys have? All of Azrael's action scenes, I think, uh, I've always been a big fan of Barry Kitson's art, but like some of his best stuff is is in this issue with Azrael. I'm reading at it from the trade. Don't know what the page number is, but like you said, when he's on the car and his cape is kind of billed out behind him, I think it just looks really cool. You get some really gruesome shots of Tim just bleeding from almost 
every single orifice. His eyes got no or nose running out of blood. <laughs> blood running out of his <laughs> nose. Just really gory. And again, like you said, just the dynamic of Catwoman and, and Batman is completely flipped from what what we know now. I think seeing and maybe you can uh, correct me on this. Is this the first time that we've seen Leha since a nightfall that, you know, he gets to see him at one point and is instantly like, uh, never mind, never mind. So I thought that was kind of cool that it makes you go, wow, we haven't seen this character since the, you know, the end of I nightfall mean, when the he, helicopter he, blows. Yeah, he's in Night's End, but I'm not sure if we've seen him before this because I haven't read the, the preceding issues. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if we do. Just because like he just comes kind of out of left field, so I'm not really sure how he how he fits in. But I but, kind of wouldn't be surprised if we, if if he if we have seen him earlier. But what I like you said, they would probably chop a lot of things off. But at least as far as this book goes, it's it's Azrael that has figured this out, and you know his girlfriend or whatever has deciphered the symbols or whatever, and it's. Jean-Paul that's delivering the cure to the hospital. It's not like, all right, let me go send this to Batman so Batman can take care of it and Batman gets to be the hero. You know, you're having Azrael walk into the hospital and hand hand the note to, you know, a doctor, I went busted an orderly, you know, a nurse or whoever there. This is a, a, a cure for the plague where I'm like, wow, they they get to have Azrael do that. And again, with Denny writing it, I wonder if that's one of those things where Denny was like, no, I I want Azrael to be the one. That, yeah. that, that gets to have this big, big moment. It's not Catwoman or the Huntress. Oh, I get to be redeemed in Batman's eyes. It's it's Jean Paul, which I think is really kind of cool. Yeah, and it is interesting that the they do end up giving Azrael figures out what the cure is and figures out how to get to the cure and all that, and that um, the Order of Saint Dumas ends up being kind of responsible for the whole thing in the first mm-hmm. place. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yes, yeah, so this is the like yeah what Ryan said podcast because I'm <laughs> I'm that's what he said all right because uh, the exact same thing page eight in the floppies you know the very first words out of Batman is he's talking to Catwoman he says we're still enemies and I was like aha somebody take a picture of this and send it to Tom King let me see this is <laughs> this is written by Denny O'Neill okay people not not you know so but I I know different universes and all that stuff but um that I think. Uh, even though Rob disagreed with me there about Azrael working with the Bat family in the book. I think maybe mm. as I'm, I'm looking at this, I'll talk to my therapist about this later, but I think as I'm uh, <laughs> uh, trying to work it out, but I think as I'm looking at this, why I like when Azrael interacts with the Bat family so much is because I love the way Barry Kitson draws everyone in the Bat family. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it, it may true. be more about the art than the characterization, but uh, yeah, his Batman and Catwoman are, are so great. And like you said, I, I think his... Um, artwork of tim dealing with the clench is just like oh man that's so good the last couple pages where asriel's driving the car and then jumps off the bridge mm-hmm. and and as i'm reading it i was kind of like what is he doing and i'm like this is kind of stupid because why would you have the whole cure and just like one note that you're willing to risk on a moving car that you jump off a bridge to get to like you don't even know where you're going with it <laughs> and then later on and in, in the other issues you find out like yeah his friends just faxed it to everyone yeah. who really and they even telegraph yeah. it they're just yeah. like i yeah. really need to tell him something he just kind of bolted out the door blah blah yeah. blah it's like we just we just texted him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, I stole this car for nothing. Ezreal's like, I have to do it the old fashioned way, and he's just like <laughs> bolting through. But I I do think it's great to show how with Jean Paul 
and Asriel, the programming will just kick in and he'll just react like, got the cure, got to go. Boom, it's the programming. And so from that part of it, I thought that was that was pretty cool. And then uh, well, yeah, plus, yeah. I think some of it is his drive to to make amends for the, the things mm. that he's done in the past, too, like where he yeah. walks by the guy and he's like. You know, he's like, aren't you the angel of death? He's like, well, this time I'm going to be the angel of life. <laughs> you know, like. yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of cool, too, if you were somebody that, you know, Red Nightfall and you're like, all right, Azrael's done. You didn't pick up Azrael because you didn't didn't like the character or whatever. And you were just reading the Batman titles and here's this contagion story. Well, I got to buy Azrael. This gives that person or somebody to go. Oh, well, Azrael's so cool. He's he's doing this for Batman. He's doing this for Tim. So it's starting to paint Azrael rather than being this almost murderous Batman that Bruce lets him go in the front yard of Wayne Manor. Like, oh, he probably should have done some time to go, oh, there's a reason why Bruce let him go. And you can kind of see those things. Even if issue 16 was the first issue you've read since Night's End, that having that saving moment for Azrael, I think, is is really cool. Yeah, and there's two scenes in this arc, one in Azrael, one in Robin, that are creepy as all get out. And one is on page six, where they uh, release those those dogs on that guy, and, he, and he's <laughs> oh, just gosh. smiling under the hood. And I'm like, Danny O'Neill, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And then there's another one, we'll, we'll get to it in Robin, that, man, if this was a horror movie, I'd just walk out. I'm like, I'm done. I can't, I can't take any more. <laughs> this is just done. With the dogs and everything, and the, the shadow of the guy, that was very like um, cinemagraphic. Like, I could see that in a movie. So that was... Uh, that was really good. I, I dig this. I dig this a lot. Frickin hey, can I ask you guys a question at this point? Whose idea do you think it was? Now, now that well, I, let me say this. It's kind of funny because when we were interviewing Chuck Dixon, we were talking about the end of the whole Nightfall, which was the big battle between Bruce and um, Jean Paul, and how how Bruce defeated him. And Chuck Dixon gave some comment like, oh, "That was such a Denny O'Neill ending, like such a Denny O'Neill <laughs> yeah. story," you know, and. When I was a kid reading through these, I never thought about Dixon or O'Neill or Grant or, you know, any of these guys. And now as I'm reading them, I can kind of see like, oh, yeah, this is a kind of a Denny O'Neill story. It's kind of more of a Chuck Dixon story. Whose idea do you think it was for the writers to come up with this whole like <laughs> Alfred's going to, to to fake out Nightwing with Tim's death kind of thing? Like, do you think yeah. that was Dixon or do you think that was O'Neill or who do you think that was? Because it, it happened in the O'Neill and the Dixon books. I I gotta almost think that's a a Denny idea because or they're just like we need we need like we need some we need it. something to well we're just like three act structure it was like we need a cliffhanger and there really isn't a good one and so we'll just we'll just have him I killed Robin once <laughs> I'm gonna make people think I killed him again <laughs> yeah well I even think it's funny in the Robin book Nightwing ends up throwing the cure at Alfred's head was that like oh my gosh. a little sublime like <laughs> this is Dixon throwing a piece of paper at O'Neill going I can't believe you made me have to write this thing what a what a D-bag thing to <laughs> I mean, do. he literally is literally when the story starts like like Alfred might as well just been like psych nananer <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe this is the best way to, unless you guys have anything else for Azrael. Oh, we'll- one, one quick thing, too. It's kind of interesting. At the very end, the last page, Dick is like, this is where I like, I had to like check myself and like, oh, you're reading too into it. Because cause, um, Nightwing comes down and he's like, Alfred, good news. And I think he says it twice. 
but he calls instead of calling him Tim, he calls him Robin. He says, yeah. "We'll have Robin on his feet in no time." Hey, where is Robin? And I thought, "Oh wow, that's kind of like so interesting that he calls him Robin and not Tim." And since Dick, you know, what was Robin? Now he's like acknowledging that Tim is now Robin, referring to. And I'm thinking all this stuff, and I'm realizing like. Oh no, he probably just called him Robin because an Azrael reader wouldn't know who was supposed to be in that empty bed. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like, I'm like, yeah, it's just because then as soon as you open up Robin, he starts calling him Tim. So it's like, oh, okay, mm. I'm, I'm reading mm-hmm. a little bit too much into this, you know? So yeah. I liked where you're going until you said that. Then I was probably like, oh, yeah, that, that probably is true because they don't make mention. That, do they say Tim at all? Because I think. On page three, they show him. Um, I think. Yeah, he does. He calls him Master Tim. Yeah. I won't, let, I won't lie to you, Master Tim. You're going to die. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Alfred's giving him Bruce the play-by-play of what's going on at one point. You know, if you were, like, dying of the clench and having these, like, fever hallucinations, the Bat Cave would probably be, like, the worst place to be with, like, <laughs> bats flying around, a giant dinosaur, a big Joker card face in there, like, you know, I'm hallucinating, I'm seeing a dinosaur. No, that that's real. Bruce Bruce put that down here for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the giant you. penny, the penny. No, no, that's real. That's, it's to scare down. you yeah. back into your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get right to uh, the last book for today. This is going to be Robin 28 and uh, part 11, as I'm calling it, the epilogue, Bitter Dregs. And the synopsis for this one is really short. And uh, Nightwing races to the Batcave with the cure for the clench, but Alfred tells him that it's too late for Robin. However, he sees Batman and a cured Tim, Nightwing realizes Alfred was only bluffing. Meanwhile, the state governor was sworn in the newly elected mayor, Marion Grage, if I'm saying that right, ahead of schedule. She has re-enlisted James Gordon as police commissioner. Robin heads back home and takes a detour to deal with the gang who refuses to let the cure into their area, teaming up once again with Catwoman. When he returns home, his family are relieved to see him again and Ariana is there, whom Tim is particularly surprised to see. What I really liked about this, and I think the Robin book tends to do this, because at the end of the month, the Robin book was always the last book for that month. So sometimes the Robin book, if it's not the first book in the story of a, a major crossover, depending on when they start it, it's in the early part of it, and it usually ends up closing it. I believe, if memory serves me right, Robin closes Legacy, closes Cataclysm, and No Man's Land. So this is one of those that well, Robin can... also had the aftermath of uh, Night's End. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was also the aftermath of Night's End, too. Completely forgot about that one. So this is one of those that the first few pages of this is just catching you up to speed of like, all right, we got a new mayor. Commissioner Gordon is back. And you can continue to read the Robin book and just go right on with the Robin continuity. And as far as the trade goes, the next two stories are Robin stories before it catches back up with the dead man quasi tie into what was going on in contagion as well which i thought it was because the next story is the a maxi zoo story that really has nothing to do with contagion at all other than a couple little lines of uh, dialogue as tim's reacclimated to everything so i really liked this story i think out of the the two previous i really liked the Azrael story but this one kind of gets our 
our feet right back on the ground. And Tim has that line, for, or excuse me, Nightwing has the line to Tim of, you know, hey, maybe set this one out. He's going to go with Batman. And I like that Dixon kind of forces Tim right back into the action, which you, he would kind of have to being his own book. But seeing like Tim's probably had a few hours to recuperate before he's putting on the Robin costume and Dixon doesn't write him as being, all right, he's a superhero again. He's having to deal with, hey, I've probably spent, you know, who knows how much time, you know, three or four weeks on the verge of death. And now he's still trying to battle, you know, one of the gangs and having Catwoman save him. So what'd you guys think of uh, Robin working together with Catwoman again so soon and how Dixon wrote Tim in this? Let's start with uh, Ryan on this one. I thought it was cool because we've seen Tim work with Catwoman before, so it's fun to kind of reprise that and have him acknowledge that, I thought. The other thing is that it's it's it does seem like Dixon does a good job of of not making Tim he always finds a good uh a way to tap into the like the emotional core of Tim as Robin and that's part of what his whole story in this issue is about is like, he literally just got the cure from this crazy virus. And then like, you know, five seconds later, he's like, well, I gotta be Robin. I gotta do this. And then he gets out, but then he's, but then he's too, literally too tired to go on. And, and he's just sitting there on the rooftop and he's like, oh, I've got to do this, but I really need to just sit down for five minutes. <laughs> you know? And, I, and that's, <laughs> you don't see that too often in, in superhero books like this, where the hero's just like, damn it, I've got to <laughs> sit down. So I, th- I thought that was really cool that they can take a beat and take a moment for stuff like that. And uh, to see a little bit of his his good nature rub off on Catwoman, that's fun. And then I really like the way that the status quo and, you know, that's, gets reestablished. And that's really something that I like reading in some of these epilogue-type issues is that they c- the story is pretty much wrapped up, but they can... Um, kind of reset things uh, at the end to get you ready for the next story. And seeing Gordon back in action is definitely something that I think people were mm-hmm. ready to ready to see for quite a while at this point. Yes, I think it's been, what, a, a two-year gap Jeez. since Gordon has been commissioner of the police department. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was good to see. Terrence. Man, Rob, I'm gonna have to kick you off the podcast. This is it hasn't <laughs> I haven't been, in a while. I haven't been kicked off in a long uh, time. No, you're, you're, I've this earned is, this one apparently. This is your last podcast. <laughs> Ryan had just complimented you as it was like our thing to do to go over the cover of each book. Oh and, my god! And analyze the cover, and you just skip the cover and you jump like right into like the end of the book when there's a team up with Catwoman. Holy cow! I so did. I'm going to tell you about this cover that it is <laughs> Should a, be a really 3D poster. Yeah, Rob is totally destroyed the fluidity of this podcast by making us go all over the cover's good <laughs> unless but, i edit it no. yeah <laughs> the cover is good as it ties in well for the contagion storyline but it's not one that i'd want hanging on my wall as a no. poster you know like robin dying of the plague but did you guys ever watch the show it was it was my favorite show for a long time arrested development mm-hmm I you know, they did a bit with the doctor on it who would always like say stuff like, well, there's nothing we can do for him now, you know, because he's already <laughs> cured. Like, that's how the, the gag goes. Like, he does that a few times. Like, you know, um, he appears dead. You're like, what? He's at, well, he just appeared dead. He had blue paint on him. He looked kind of dead. You know, remember the guy I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. This is Funke. 
Oh, this guy again. How is he, doctor? It uh, looks like he's dead. Oh, my God. Oh, little guy. The tears aren't coming. The tears just aren't coming. Uh, just to be clear, it, it looks like he's dead or he is dead. It just looks like he's dead. He's got, like, blue paint on him or something. But he's going to be fine. What is wrong with you? Doctor! I'll let you celebrate privately. Hey, we want this count! Again, what Ryan said, uh, that <laughs> Dixon always finds that good balance with Tim. But he, he also finds a really good balance with Catwoman, where she'll do some good, she'll do some evil. She kind of has that... She lives in that gray area where Batman is so black and white. And he does a really good job with both of them balancing that. And what I like about it is you can kind of see in this that Catwoman really respects Robin, right? Robin earns Catwoman's, like, respect and not in, like, a cheesy kind of way. Like, just kind of subtly, she's, like, impressed with the kid. Like, especially when uh, she said, you know, what, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I, I had the clench. And she's like, holy cow, you know? <laughs> and then I, I wanted to ask you something about that. On, on page 19, which I don't know if you guys in the trades have it numbered, it's the the panel is uh, when Robin says it was the clench and she says, my God, he says, but I've got the, the cure. I'm just weak. And then the next panel shows Robin and in the domino mask, he's got like blue pupils. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was wondering if that was done for effect or you think that was a miscoloring and I was wondering if they fixed it in the, the trades or do you think that was supposed to be like that? It's it's in my trade. I don't know if, uh, how Ryan's reading this, but I think it's probably done more for effect so you can really see like he's directly looking at her. So I noticed that too because mm-hmm. tr- traditionally you don't see it the superheroes that how are wearing masks you don't very few of them you don't see their eyes like you know Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner you don't see their eyeballs you see the you know slits in the uh the white part of the mask so yeah i think that's probably deliberate every now and then they'll some artist may draw batman with pupils just so you can get more facial expression out of it but yeah uh, Ryan how are you reading this? Uh, i was going to say didn't didn't um neil adams or somebody tell us a story about that once either he did it in a story and he got yelled at or he yelled at somebody for doing it i can't remember it was one of it was one of those two things i'm reading it digitally on dc universe because right now if you go to dc universe they have the storylines tab and wouldn't you know uh, contagion is like the number (laughs) one new to dc universe storyline so it's like right there at the top you know Um, i a little sidebar with that. Of course, everybody's on Facebook and Twitter. I have seen more posts in like I'm in a Batman statue collectors group. Like I don't have you know the money to have these Prime One statues. I'll see people have like fifteen you know statues that are like thousands of dollars of each, and I'm like, what job do you have? But people are always posting. Here's what I'm reading today, and probably over the last couple of weeks, I've seen people going, "Hey, I hear about this Contagion story." So I'm going to read this. And so that's really kind of permeating just through the Bat family, you know, pages and stuff like that. So I hadn't even thought about uh, DC Universe. So that doesn't surprise me that it's not on right now, that somebody at DC was like, we had this virus story. We'll put that up there. <laughs> to answer the question, yeah, it's it's the same in on the DC Universe version with the blue pupils. I was flipping through the, the pages here, getting to the back, which we don't see this... Too often, we don't see the red bird 
not in the Redbird state as more as the coop where Tim's pulling up to the house and he's seeing his dad and hot trainer Dana that he his dad's gonna gonna marry. But you don't really see the Redbird in its his normal like, hey, this is Tim's sports car he's driving around. So I thought that was kind of cool to see. Having that through line throughout this when Tim is first sick and then when he's, you know, on death's door where he's really wanting to make it a point to tell my dad or it's really on his mind and he has the hallucination of his dad's okay with him being Robin and Ariana's okay with him being Robin. And now, like, real life is catching back up with him and people are wondering, well, where have you been? You know, what's going on? And now Tim's having to make up his normal excuses to get back in his real life again that I thought that was kind of cool where Dixon is writing that inner monologue for Tim that the thing that he wants to do isn't the thing that he he can actually do. He's having to lie to his dad again and is excited to see his girlfriend. And there's another little cliffhanger for Ariana when we first... uh, Tim sees her, which we'll finally see her in 28 or 29. But what'd you think of Dixon, like putting Tim back into his vices is the wrong word, but his, his status quo again, you know, status quo. And like you said, Ryan, sometimes things get changed. Like, all right, Gordon's back again as commissioner. But as far as Tim's life is, it's, it's business as usual. Uh, Terrence. I didn't really think too much about that, honestly, when I was reading the issue. I was I was kind of wondering what the next issue would be about, where it leads here. And it does seem like they're getting more serious in Ariana. What I did think about, and uh, Rob, you're not going to like this, but... Um, I'm going to kick you off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 insert a promo here. Your other podcast, Everybody Loves Young Justice, um, <laughs> including the cakes, uh, especially the Young Justice cakes. Um <laughs> The um, how the modern 2019-2020 telling of Drake doesn't have any of this. Like it mm. doesn't have you know. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis has just completely ignored this whole side of Tim Drake of you know having to balance you know his family, which uh, we've gone back and forth. I'm not sure if his parents are alive and in witness protection or if they're alive, but I think they're alive or, or something. And, you know, this just struggling with the girlfriend and everything like that's just gone. Like that's just absent from that series. So that's what I thought about with it. Well, that's, that's hard. One of those, when you've got a, a team up book, like a justice league or a teen Titans, yeah, young, I, I, young you're Justice an apologist. Did. You're an apologist. I'm going to call you on that. Here's why. Because no. I thought of that too. <laughs> and what I thought was all he had to do was just like in one panel, look over to Impulse and say like, man, I, I, I haven't, I wish I could call my dad in this, wherever the, what all the weird alternate right. universe thing was. Like, I get it that you can't spend 10 pages on Tim Drake and his dad, but he, he could have had a little bit. I could have said, oh, I hope my dad's not worried about me or, well, or that's, you know, something like that. You know, that's actually where I was headed to, like, because. Oh, no, you weren't. I, I just put that <laughs> idea in your head. Don't don't take my credit. <laughs> so anyway, Ryan, what I was going to say was, <laughs> no, that I think because of that, when you've got. In this time frame, you could have Tim in Batman and have him in Detective, have him in his own book and Young Justice and, you know, all these other things. I could get why the Young Justice book in 1998 doesn't have to spend a lot of time going, gee, Ariana wants me to call her again. I can't even hang out with Stephanie. But 
in 2020, when that is the only vehicle for any of those characters, I want a little bit more character development in those stories. Like, in some of them lately, they're constantly just bouncing around the cosmos, and it's just, they're going from point A to point B. I'm like, can't we go from point A to C and spend a little bit more time in B? Like, give us some some fill of their like I agree with you totally like give me a panel or two of Tim going I haven't seen my parents in forever like I'm going to hack the US government and talk to them in witness protection or something like that so like I'm I'm on that side of it I I get when a character's got 12 titles you're like we don't have to constantly make mention of all these other things but I think that's why I like this era so much that you can have all these other things going on. You can get all those character personalities, but when a character's only got one book and there are multiple characters in that, I think you've got to spend at least a couple issues here and there doing it. So I think that's why, again, we keep bringing Chuck Dixon's name up. Even three books that Dixon wrote in Contagion, he had different characters. I think we said it in episode, a part one of this, that the Catwoman book felt very much like an Azrael or a Robin book, that Dixon really didn't care who the character book it was. Like, this is the story that needs to be told at this point. So if we get more Tim Drake and Catwoman 25, well, then so be it. So there, there's my long-winded answer. <laughs> yeah, and if I if I sound like a jerk, it's, it's probably because... Um, and I, I was just teasing you there, Rob. But, you know, like, I, I'll listen to stuff, and then I'll start talking like the people I listen to. Like, I'll listen to the Kevin Smith podcast for a while, and then I'll start talking to my wife, and I'll just say, like, foul mouth, like, profanity stuff. She's like, what is with you? I'm like, I don't know. So yeah, I've so been a podcast recent- sponge. Yeah, since That's I've been right. on exactly since I've been on uh you know stay at home orders here and and not working and just at home I've been rewatching The Office so I was afraid like I'm gonna sound like Michael Scott this whole podcast and here I am like That's what Ryan said and all this stuff so yeah so right, right now I'm just looking at the camera like Jim like yeah <laughs> at an audio medium it just doesn't work really well Michael yeah in this case Ryan uh, that was that was your cue right now. oh yeah I haven't watched Ryan the show. fire guy yeah. Oh, okay. There, well, there's a character on it named Ryan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, so what do you have uh, for uh, for Robin here? Closing, closing this. Uh, well, uh, this book. Uh, you know, we we kind of we kind of um, poo pooed the shock, goofy ending of the last couple issues so that leads into this one. But I think the end of this one is even worse. This was so like out of left field. Terrence was talking about like. Well, I wanted to see where this goes. I, 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 and I did. I was like, okay, where? Let me find the next issue on DC Universe and <laughs> figure out what this is. And I can spoil it just really no, fast. Go no. ahead. We're we're eventually going to talk about this. So, so this will be a, a preview. <laughs> the giant surprise is because I, I was like, what is this? I'm like, Ariana surprised. I was like, what? Why would he? Why would he be so surprised? I was like, he's surprised. The dad, uh, you know, and Dana or whatever, they're like, whatever. And Miss McElvain is not pleased at all for some reason. I'm like, okay, so something McElvain doesn't like. What has she done? What is happening? Why is he so surprised? And so you read the next issue, and she's changed her hair color. I'm like, (laughs) okay, that's the big shock end of the issue. She changed her hair color. Oh, and, and that's why on page eight, she's got a towel around her head, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. See, they were telegraphing. She just dyed it. She if you look, just, if oh you look really close, you can clearly see that she's got a blonde <laughs> strand of hair hanging out from underneath yeah. her towel. Yeah, that's so funny. 
And what's funny about her changing it, it's, it's that we, we even talked about the, the, the impetus for her doing this is apparently when Tim looked at the blonde haired girl mm-hmm. at Stephanie at the funeral a couple <laughs> issues ago and she got super pissed at him and they had this fight. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is such a dumb fight or a, like a dumb thing that our Ariana is like focused on or whatever. Like she keeps that with her through this whole contagion thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm going to dye my hair blonde because Tim was looking at a blonde haired girl for like three seconds, like a few issues ago at a funeral. Ooh, weird. Yeah, that is the first thing I thought of. Like, wow, chicks be crazy, man. <laughs> I just I'll thought it was so you. interesting because we we literally brought that up. Like, man, that's such a fleeting thing to get upset about. And that was m- months ago, and and here it is <laughs> coming back into for for some reason coming back into play in the next in the next issue. Yeah, that's crazy. I could, I could see her supply list to survive the virus. Like, we need toilet paper, bottled water, and some hair dye. <laughs> Please, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, that was funny. I was telling you guys uh, in uh, our group text, you know, that, hey, you know, we, I think Terrence had said, you know, hey, some of the numbers were wrong on the books. Are they that way in the trade? And I had said, oh, we, you know, went out to Walmart to do, you know, the curbside pickup. And, you know, you go online and order all your groceries and you check the box that says, can we make substitutions? And some of the things that they substitute, you're like, all right, I wanted pizza, but you gave me pizza sauce. Like, is that really a substitution? You go, all right, we wanted diet cherry Pepsi and they gave us diet Pepsi. And you're like, all right, well, I we wanted a gallon of milk. We didn't have a gallon of milk. We had two half gallons. Well, we'll take that. Oh, like, come on. So this is one of those things like looking at it going all right this is essential we asked for little debbies and okay that wasn't a, yeah and we, got we wanted drake cakes and they gave us little debbies <laughs> you know was this essential that she needed her blonde hair dye where she like you don't understand my boyfriend is obsessed with this blonde chick i need to be blonde this is essential mom and dad or you know and uncle <laughs> so like that little bit i thought was kind of funny like I wouldn't even have thought about, you know, people that are working in the stores than doing doing the Lord's work right now, you know, throwing Kevin Smith out there since Terrence, Terrence just mentioned him. <laughs> like, people on the front lines and doing this stuff and seeing people go to Walmart with bags over their heads because they don't have masks. And you're like, this just clearly shows that you should not be out doing <laughs> doing things. This is not essential. First, the uh, the absolute nitpicking section of the podcast. Just out of curiosity, on your guys' copy, I have the floppy from when it originally came out. On the opening page where Nightwing is all shocked and um, it gives who wrote it, is the E in Mike Waringo's name missing on yours? Or is that like a printing error? I was just wondering if that was like a smudge on my book. It says Mike W. Ringo on mine. Well, this just says, oh, this is my, the I is in there. W I E R I N G O. Oh, it's an I. Okay, see, my I yep. is missing, but oh, I don't weird. know if that that might just. I was wondering if that was like my printing messed up, or they fixed that later or something. I think they uh, did fix it. Yeah, yeah. And then um, just a little history trivia here. Gordon, when he comes back, and then he says, uh, "We've got Jim Gordon to kick around again." That that's a. <laughs> cool thing chuck dixon threw in there that's from richard nixon in uh, 1962 richard nixon uh well he ran for president in 1960 and lost to kennedy and then he ran 
for governor in of California in 1962 and lost to Jerry Brown. And so Nixon was like, that's it. I'm quitting politics. I'm done. And he gave this like grumpy speech where he's like, you don't have Dick Nixon to kick around anymore. And then, of course, <laughs> six years later, he came back and, and won the presidency. But I think that's kind of cool that Chuck Dixon kind of threw that little uh, that nod in there. And then the thing I wanted to talk about this, Rob, I even I even like threw it out a little bit. The creepy, creepy scene oh. on page 13 with the blue coloring and the kid and the father in shadow. Oh, yeah. he's like, you know, um, but he's like, uh, and he says, he says some stuff to his dad about why aren't they bringing the medicine? And he says, but if they don't get here soon with, and then his dad's like, it's in God's hands, son. It's been in his hands all along. And the boy says, but you and Mama and Jody are good people. What did we do wrong? And his face is all in shadow, and you see the dead bodies behind him and the ceiling fan, and and he says, we moved to this wicked city. Like, oh my gosh, man. That is just... <laughs> and if you showed me the script of that, I would say, ah, Ringo, he, he could never pull that off. His art is more like Impulse and Fun and Robin and Big Feet and all this, but man... He pulls it off. He he does this really well. He draws an amazing Catwoman. She doesn't look goofy and silly with like giant feet, like Impulse or something. Like she's really proportional and looks gorgeous. And and that scene is just man. If that was a horror movie, like I said, I just I drop my popcorn and walk right out right there. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I I like that page. Um, this would have been a nice little beat to see extended a little bit more. Good pull. I forgot that you had had mentioned there was. There was something else you had. Uh, you got anything else there, Ryan? No, I mean, I just think that it's. I think in in traditional Dixon crossover fashion, sometimes like these giant stories, the way that they 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 don't end the way you expect them to end, but they're still interesting nonetheless. And I and I was happy to see some of the status quo stuff kind of get restored because I like this status quo quite a bit <laughs> and i'm just uh and I, I know the the next few issues in the in the run are are kind of fun so i'm i'm excited to get to to get back into those before the next ones come before the next big um crossovers come because i'm you know i keep talking about this but i'm really excited to, uh, to get to legacy when whenever we get to that yeah, same here. Can I do a little preview for the next Robin Everyone Loves the Drake podcast here? Go for it. Because Well, you could fill in maybe some of the gaps here of what's going on because I'm not really sure. But we're going to jump ahead in time and um, connect to some other podcasts. And for that, you said read Robin 144, and then you said read one Robin for- 140. 145. 145? And if, you, yep. and okay. if you're like me, you probably... <laughs> If you're following along with us at home, this is a considerable jump to we're in what 1996 right now for we got an 80th anniversary show that'll slip in. But after that, we're going to jump to 2006, I believe, if I got my math right to uh, those Robin issues. So I actually started reading at 139 to 145 just so I had a little bit of context. We are going to be part of JL May and a lot of uh, podcasters. Michael Bailey 
is spearheading this one with uh, Shag Matthews for uh, they're going to be covering Infinite Crisis. So all the surrounding podcasts that are in this podcasting community, we're going to cover the events that led up to the countdown to Infinite Crisis. So that way we can get a cross-section of what were all these heroes doing right before the crisis started. Because once the crisis is over the landscape of DC comics vastly changes for a lot of these characters. So we will be talking about the events that lead up to this and those. And it's part of the OMAC story that was going on. And Robin is hanging around some soldiers. So you have that to look forward to coming up. So it's, it was one of those I had to do a little bit of extra reading to go, you know, there's some other friends that Tim has, like we haven't even got to this on the show. So I don't know about Terrence, but I was taking some notes going, I don't understand this. So let me go back an issue and let me go back an issue. I went back five issues so we could review two issues. <laughs> yeah. Cause when you were, when you guys were talking and stuff, I was digging through the long box to see if I had any of them. Cause, and I actually have 143 and 144 that I got from like a dollar bin sometime and never read them. Cause I, I was not reading comics at this time and I was flipping through and trying to read 143 as we were recording and i don't have a clue to anybody in this and then 144 <laughs> i don't know who any of these people are all right robin the boy wonder i know him Ragman, <laughs> i've i know Ragman. blue devil i know blue devil the veteran you mentioned him before never heard of him before captain johnny cloud no idea <laughs> lieutenant lisa von hammer and sergeant tommy <laughs> tinker the clockwork commando so i've i've got a lot of homework to do i've got 143 144 150 and 151. So I've got, <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to buy some digital or something. Yeah. Yeah. So to conclude Contagion, we were talking about, you know, the necessities. Like toilet paper now is a necessity. And you go to get toilet paper and you can't find any. And you're like, hmm, can I use this? Can I use the leaves that are outside? You know, all these things that we want to have necessity. Is Contagion considered a necessity? In your, if you're listening to the Batman Book Club by uh, Ryan Lauer, if you're not listening to that podcast, a little plug for his show. They have three episodes now, and I think I know the guest on the fourth episode. Who is that? Hmm. Well, that's right. It's me. Um, <laughs> is this a necessity? Is this essential in your Batman reading? And what did you guys think of Contagion now that it has concluded? So let's start with Ryan on this one. I don't think it's essential. But it is definitely worthy of your attention and a worthy read, especially as a building block for other stories. Because you kind of got to start with Contagion, mm -hmm. because Contagion leads into Legacy, and Legacy leads into No Man's Land. And, and isn't there something else? Uh, you have Cataclysm. Cataclysm, yeah, yep. that leads into all that. Yeah, so it's all part of that ongoing story. You can hit the highlights without having to read the the you know regular issues in between so yeah it's just it's just another good solid crossover and it's it's fun to go back through these issues cuz i mean just the titles it goes through you just say them out loud and you're of that era you're like a shadow of the bat and you know dixon detective comics and robin and catwoman and azrael it's like it's cool. Oh, and you know the Batman Chronicles. You know, I mean, it's it's cool that there is a crossover like this that goes across so many titles of that era. So yeah, I wouldn't call it like 
oh, it's a top five Mount Rushmore Batman story <laughs> or whatever. But it's 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 definitely fun and it's interesting compared to some other things because it is Batman punching a virus or not punching a virus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just just like we've been saying, it's it's eerie similarities to the you know what we're dealing with today. Just is is keeping it relevant. Terrence, the odd thing about this kind of crossover was it didn't really change anything or change any of the status quo where like nightfall you know put jean paul as batman and and you know those things end up going back to how they were but this you know that you can't look at anything and say oh well that contagion happened and then you know this guy was robin or nightwing changes his costume or i mean you know even catwoman like ditches that white costume hat you know by the (laughs) by the end of it uh and even it returns some things putting commissioner gordon or james gordon at back as commissioner, I should say. From that, it's almost like a like in a video game, like a side mission or like a you know was it the the downloadable stuff? You know, like yeah, it's a great read. It's fun to read. It's it's awesome. But if you didn't read this, you wouldn't have a huge like gaping hole in your Batman knowledge or your your '90s Batman trivia. You'd, you'd still be okay, except you wouldn't know that Tim Drake was a huge fan of the Jerky Boys. That would that would just be crushing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's those little things that I want to. I would love to pick Dixon's brain sometime. Just the the oddball trivia. I have a list going. I don't think I've told the two of you guys this. I have a running list going of all like the Dixonisms that he uses. Of all right, here's all the makeup made up soda names and different restaurants. Oh, Shonsies. Kind of, yeah. yeah. To kind of map out like Sanyo TV instead of Sony and, you know, all, <laughs> all that type of stuff. And uh, did, the, did he come up with big belly burger and, and the Arrowverse steal that? Or was that an Arrowverse? That I, when I first heard that on arrow, I thought like, I think that's from a Chuck Dixon book, but maybe not. Yeah. I, I don't remember okay. on that one. That's not on your list. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not on my list. I've been keeping track of, of all these things. And this is just one of those little, little footnotes in the, uh, you know, the Batman universe that, and maybe it's more relevant now and people will find some enjoyment of it. I think maybe even calling this a gem, like, Oh man, this is just a sleeper of a book. People read this. I don't even know if it's that, but it's, it is a, good footnote to read to get into something like no man's land to look back at it at the end of no man's land that you can connect all of those plot points and all these different horrible things that have happened in gotham to this one moment right here so if nothing else i think it's just a it's a fun read and it's one of those that you're going ah you know i love reading a lonely place of dying i'm gonna read this again for the 90th time maybe check this one out and uh you know, check uh, DC Universe. Like Ryan said, it's one of the, the top books <laughs> right now. Yeah. I, I do think um, people will read this book differently after mm-hmm. 2020 than pre-2020 and look at it just as we looked at some things differently after September 11th, some stories and stuff I read before that or movies I watched. And then when I watched stuff or, or read stuff after September 11th, 2001, I was kind of looking at it very differently. And this book, you know, after everything we've gone through in 2020, we may look at it and instead of just being like, oh, yeah, this is fiction, Batman fighting a virus, looking and be like, wow, this <laughs> this could have been real. We're glad, you know, coronavirus wasn't as deadly as the clench and bleeding out of your eyes and stuff. But right. yeah, it'll, it'll definitely, I don't know, it'll definitely 
be different. That's for sure. One of the last things that I want to say here that I, I haven't said this too much. I know we're, we're all dealing with the social distancing and, and staying at home. And for those people that, you know, maybe the place that you're working, you're not working at and trying to figure things out. Uh, I hope this story, you know, finds you in, in a good way. And I hopefully that we do get back to uh, some realism very soon. Stay safe out there, be smart out there. And hopefully uh, all this will be a distant memory, you know, by the time we get to Christmas that we can look back on, on this time. And I think these are going to be not just this, you know, story we've been talking about over the course of this last month, but we'll, this will go down as a moment for like, 9-11 like where were you and hey remember when we had that yeah. that that two or three month gap where you know i got a chance to read a, a a bunch of books and to get to try and take my mind off all the all the craziness out there you know find find a book like this uh find creative ways to to hang out with family and friends through through technology and you know, the the safer we can all play this, then the better it's going to be once we can all get in a room and get into a convention together. I was listening to some DC Daily stuff. Listen to Scott Snyder talk about, can you, he's like, I can't wait to get to that first convention when we can have people come up. He's like, it's going to be almost like a convention like no other. So those are the things that I look forward to. Yeah, I definitely think. And I, I know this for a fact. We're going to appreciate, and I'm going to appreciate a lot of stuff that I was maybe taking for granted or or not appreciating as much in the past. It's it's going to have a whole new level of enjoyment and appreciation once we can get back to normal and go to amusement parks and hang out in conventions <laughs> and get get your comics at the comic book store and yeah. all, all kinds of stuff and get a haircut and, <laughs> and just <laughs> a million things that I just never thought about before. Yeah. yeah. On the behalf of Ryan and Terrence, this is Rob telling you guys, stay safe out there. We're in this together. And we will see you guys on the next episode of Robin Everyone Loves a Drake here on the BatmanUniverse.net. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. 
The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Stand.